0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. My message has uh, a few different points to it, but it comes back to the main spot. This, this started in me when people asked me what I'm speaking on. Their assumption is I'm speaking on worship, yes, which I have before here. My other passion is fasting, which I still have a message for which I was really excited to preach about because I'm comfortable with it. I know a lot about it. I'm passionate about it. And then my husband, amazing husband, approaches me. He's asking, hey, what are you going to speak on? And I'm like, well, probably fasting. And he goes, so you're going to speak on something you're comfortable doing. (laughs) And then my reaction was, oh, no. No, my reaction was, would you shut your face? Like, no. And for you that don't know us, we, we are, we're funny. Like, we, we can say things that some people would be like, I can't believe they talk to each other that way. It's how we cope with life, guys. He's my best friend, and he is literally your high school sweetheart. I have known him since he was in seventh grade. And so if I get a little sassy with him, it's okay. So anyway, um, I have no idea what I wanted to speak on. And I was at that women's retreat. And the speaker um, threw in a little nugget in her uh, message, and it just struck my heart so deep. And so we've kind of, over the last few weeks, I shared a little bit with our ministry team and I've kind of developed it into a big mess of stuff. So I'm going to share my mess with you. Sound good? Okay. How many of you guys have seen the show Deal or No Deal? Did I get a hands? Yes. For the handful of you that have not, it's a great show. Um, Howie Mandel is the, the host of the show. And just to give you a rundown or a reminder of what it is, basically there's, I don't know how many cases, 25 something cases, and each one has these like gorgeous model-like girls standing by them in their cute little dresses with the case. And at the beginning, the contestant comes out and she picks, she or he picks one case. That case sits right next to the contestant the entire time. Now what happens is during the show, the contestant picks picks the cases that are on the wall. Not the one she has, the other 24. So she goes through and she does like three at a time and then five at a time. And after each set of opening them, there's numbers from like it's one, ten, a hundred, and it goes all the way down to a million dollars. And every time a case is open, so like she o- she says open case 7 and 7 opens and it's $100, well the $100 comes off the board. So that's no longer a deal for her, an option for her, okay? Or him. Sorry, I'm saying her because in my head there's this particular contestant. So we're just going to go with her, okay? And so as it goes on, after the first set of cases, Howie Mandel calls the dealer who's this like creepy shadow that's up in the rafters. And calls him, and he's, like, dramatically pacing back and forth. You never see his face, the the deal, the dealer. And he offers the contestant a deal. Now, what he's trying to do is, in the beginning, he's not as nervous. The dealer is kind of like, yeah, you only got a few numbers off the board, so here... You take $500 and and go have a nice day, and most likely the contestant's gonna be like, no deal. And they have this giant button that they just dramatically slam, no deal, and the whole crowd cheers. So, oh, they close the case and say, and then it's no deal, okay? So super dramatic and yay. And you're like, heart is racing, because you're like, good, smart person. Because, you know, there's some times where they're not so smart. Um, So then it keeps going, and eventually, as the show goes on, More numbers come off the board. Now, if um, the numbers that are knocked off the board are the higher numbers, your chances just keep going down, lower and lower. If the number like a million is still on the board and like 95% of the other numbers are gone, there's a good chance that your number one million is in that case. And what happens is at the end, when it comes down to there's one number on the board and then your case, which you have no idea what's in your case. So one of those two numbers is in your case but you don't know which one. They call the dealer. Now, if it's a low number, like 1000 and, like if there's a 1000 and a $100 on the board, you call the dealer and they're like, hey, take $5, you wanna go home? At that point, you just wait to open your case because who cares? But there is more than not, if you have seen the show, some pretty good options of deals, $500,000 or whatever. And all of a sudden, it comes down to those two numbers and that contestant has to make a decision whether to take what's in the last case that's still on the board and go home with that or to say, I'm gonna go with what's in my case. Now, the hard part about that is it's a game of chance, right, and we have watched many, how many of you that said they've seen it where you're like behind the scenes at home going, take the case, take the case, and they take what's on the wall and the case had a million and you're like, I told you if you wanna listen, yeah? Well, that's our house. I don't know about your house, but that's me. And I'm like, stupid people, why was I not on the show? I should have been on the show. I would, Yeah, same. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not alone. These people you've never met, and you know, like, we don't see the after part when they leave, and you know they're, like, going off feeling defeated, like they just lost everything They could have had a million dollars, and we're over there calling them stupid. But anyway, um, so that's deal or no deal. So now I want to apply it to us. So now that we have that in our head. I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, you totally can. I'm kind of going to skim pretty quick, but we're going to go to a story of Moses. Raise your hand high if you know all about Moses and the Pharaoh and the Red Sea and the There's a few of you that don't that really should. Um so for you I'll read the Bible. Or you just don't want to raise your hand and this <laughs> will teach you to raise raise your hand. Exodus chapter 3 is where it all started and I'm just going to kind of skim through this story because most of you know it. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10 or er, yeah, ch- 3 verse 7 through 10. Um, is where God, the Lord comes to Moses and he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them out of the land, to a land of milk, large with milk and honey. Um, And then you fast forward and it says in verse 10, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So that's where he gets the... the, um, the call on his life, that's where he gets the mission, okay? So if you continue to read the next couple chapters, it's all about him getting boosted up. He's like, Lord, who am I? And God's like, let me tell you who you are. You're my servant. And he goes through and hypes up Moses, and Moses is ready, and Moses gets Aaron, who's his best friend, because Moses, more than likely, they say, probably had a stuttering problem, so he he wanted somebody to go with him uh, because he didn't speak. It's a real thing. Um, Can I say something real quick? I want to say something, pause, because this was huge. Chris, if you were here last week, Chris proposed to his new fiance, Tiffany. Chris has struggled for your whole life with stuttering, right? Pretty bad. And if you know him well, you know that that's a thing. Now, if you know him well, you also don't pay attention to that anymore. But if you talk to him for the first time, you would notice. I have never not heard you. But when you got that microphone in your hand last Sunday, and you told everyone about getting their house in order, you didn't stutter once. So I'm just going to prophesy that you're going to have this mic more. Maybe just tell the truth. Sorry, that was a rabbit trail. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's a real thing, guys. Okay, sorry, that had nothing to do with my message, but that was huge. Okay, so then when you fast forward, if you guys have your Bibles, you fast forward, I'm going to set up the scene for you. So in chapter 7, verse 14, he goes to Pharaoh for the first time. Okay, Pharaoh is the ruler of all. He goes to Pharaoh. Moses says exactly what the Lord told him to say. He didn't go, hey... I know this sounds like a terrible idea, and you're not going to understand why I'm saying it, but God said to let the people go. No, no, no. He just walked up and said, the Lord told me to tell you to let the people go. He didn't put his own words in it at all. Just remember that for later. Um, But also, as he's going, as Moses is going into this situation, do you know what God's, this is what got me that I thought, I have known this story since I was six and never saw this. It says, God told Moses, but when you go, Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. So wait a minute. So you're telling me he told Moses to go to the Pharaoh, but yet he let Moses know that the Pharaoh's heart was not going to be open to this. Let me ask you, if God told you to go into a situation and said, just so you know, it's pretty hopeless and the person's not going to listen to you, but go anyway, how many of you would really, really go? All right, so then if you fast forward... Into chapter 7, verse 14 through 25, we got the first plague. What's the first plague? Y'all need to catch up on this story. What's the first plague? Blood, blood yes. Scores over here, points. Um, blood is the first. If you open your Bible, you'll see it too. Um, but Blood was the first one, okay? So he does the blood. Pharaoh says, no, still no deal because the magicians could do it too. So walks away. So then the second plague, anybody? (laughs) He's in his Bible. Good job, Chris. Frogs. Now, here's the funny part. This was only the second plague, and in chapter 8, verse 8, I'm pretty sure Pharaoh had a phobia of frogs, because all the other ones, he's pretty much, most of them, he's like, no, they can't go. These frogs come up on their land, and he's like, I don't care what you have to do. Take everyone and go. Just get out of here and stop the frogs. And Moses is like, okay, stops the frogs, and then Pharaoh's like, just kidding. You can't go. Thanks for stopping the frogs, though. So that's the second plague. Then we go to the verse 15 in that, and it says, guess what? Heart, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And God told Moses, go a third time. So Moses goes a third time in ver- chapter 8, verse 16. What was that plague? Lice. Any of my parents had to take lice out of their kid's hair before Or get the letter to say, hey, your kids have lice in the classroom. Be careful. It's like, can we just burn their hair off? Is that an option? Is it an option to burn the house down? Anybody been there before? It's horrid. Or you've had it? So lice filled the land and all the animals and everything got it. I mean, if I was Pharaoh, I'd be like, go. Guess what? Pharaoh said, nope, and his heart was hardened. Now we go to chapter 8, verse 20, fourth plague. What's the fourth plague? Flies. There it is. That's really gross, too. Pharaoh says, um, in verse 25, Pharaoh says, you know what? Just go. And then Moses stretches out his hand, and the flies stop. And then Pharaoh says, just kidding. You're not going anywhere. So, again, it's just to stop. You'd think Moses would get it and go, you know what? If you're gonna say I can go, and then you're gonna stop, you're gonna stop me just because I stopped the plague, then we're not doing this. Nope. Moses never did that. He kept going the way the Lord told him to go. Then we have uh verse 28, chapter, chapter where we at? Eight. It says his heart was hardened. Now chapter nine, verses one through seven, fifth plague, which is. Livestock, everything died. Everything got sick. Not everything died, but everything got sick. They were all diseased. Guess what it said? Pharaoh said no, and his heart was? Yeah, you're getting it. And then in verses 8 through 12, the sixth plague, which was? Boils. Um, Pharaoh still said, no deal, and heart hardened. Then, 13 through 35, seventh plague is? Hail. Then he sends hail. And in verse 28... He says, okay, you can go. And then in 35, after the hail stopped, what would he say? Just kidding. Can't go. Psych. Then, sorry, this is a Bible according to Christina. Um, Chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, the eighth plague. Yes. He says in verse, locusts. Do you guys know what locusts are? They're not little tiny grasshoppers. They're like this big. And overseas, they're even bigger. I have seen pictures of them like this big. Like Jurassic Park, yeah, literally. They still live over there. It's probably one of those breeds. Yeah, flying around everywhere, swarming. So at that point, in verse 7, Pharaoh says, Go, but take your men. You got to leave the women and children and your livestock, but you can go and you can take your men. Not a bad deal, right? It's some of the people, right? But Moses Put his hand on that thing, and he said, no deal. And he turned around, and the next plague comes, which is darkness. That's verse chapter 10, verse 21 through 29. And he says, um, in that verse, after that, after the darkness, Pharaoh goes, fine, fine, fine. Take your men, take your women, and take your children. Hide your kids, hide your car, hide your... Take your men, take your women, and take your children, but you have to leave your livestock. Now, go back to the beginning in chapter whatever it was, 4 or whatever, 3, when he tells him what Moses to do. Did he tell Moses, just take the people? No. If you go back in verses 7 through 10, he specifically says, take the men, the women, the children, all the livestock, and all the animals. So here's Pharaoh. He says, take your men, take your women, take your children. Leave the livestock. Now, I'm sorry, guys, but that's a pretty good deal. We're now down, we're down like nine plagues. We're down to like constantly having to be told no, all of this emotional drama. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, go. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. In my head, I'd be like, livestock, we definitely should need them, but we could live off the land for a while and go search for more livestock. There's always livestock in the land. We can go find it we would still be able to function. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? I mean, let's not be religious for a second. Like, for real, doesn't that sound like a good deal? Yeah, it does. But even with that said, Moses slammed the thing on top of the red button and said, no deal. What's crazy to me is I think that we sometimes have in front of us a pretty good deal. We're like, That really sounds good, and that sounds God, because the men, women, and children, was that not God? Yes, it was. That was part of what God said, but was it everything God had said? How many times do we walk into something, and we take the deal because it's mostly what God says, but not all of what God says? And have we come to a place where we're living this Christian life because it is hard, that we come into agreement with things that allow us to settle. I want to talk to you a little bit about the difference um, between compromise and settling. So that's where I leave off with Moses for now. And as you guys know, he gets them out. Pharaoh and everybody dies. Um, they're in the land for a while. Israelites whine and cry and complain. And the whole time, God's just going, I just want to be seen for who I am. It never was about Moses, guys. And the heart, the heart being hardened... Okay, I'll get there later. But anyway, it was never about anything but God. It was about Moses. Will you still go even though I have told you this is a hopeless situation? And look what that got him into, freedom. All right, definition of compromise, Zach, if you want to put it up there. Listen to compromise. Agreement, yeah, agreement or settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. To settle by... Mutual concession to accept standards that are lower than what is desired. It's out of the dictionary. That's not Christina version. That's for real. That's what you will find if you look up the definition. Keep that up there, Zach. I think we use the word compromise in a lot of ways like, oh, you compromised in your marriage. You compromised in your relationship. You compromised with your friendships, your kids. You compromised in this situation. You compromised with this music. You compromised with this movie. You compromise. Compromise isn't the action. Compromise is the conversation you have about the action you're going to do. Settling is the action. So you can come into a a, a conversation about this thing that you're gonna compromise on, but then do you both, do you come into compromise and then you go, yeah, 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 I agree with that. And then the agreement comes when you settle. Put up the word settle for me, the um, word settle when the resolve or reach of the agreement about whatever the problem is or whatever the issue is. So you see that? That's the resolve. It's the ending result of your compromise. So we throw the word compromise out a lot, including myself, but this kind of like, my brain. I was like, wait a minute. Compromise is the conversation we have. Now, when we're doing things in life, who are we supposed to conversate with to know if it's good or not? But I'm pretty sure I conversate probably more with my husband about a situation than I do with God. John, I got a question. So I'm dealing with this, and I'm dealing with that. What would you do? And he's like, well, this is what I would do. And then I'm like, well, I mean, maybe there's something in the middle. I forget all about my conversation with God over here. Do you know why we do that? Because when we go to God, we know what he's going to say about some situations. So it's easy for us to get away from... Uh, Hold on, God. This is a conversation I need to have with my friend. (laughs) There are things on TV that we come into compromise with, things that shows on TV that show nudity, that the compromise isn't that we watch shows like Game of Thrones. The compromise comes when we settle to watch that because at one point so let's say john's like hey this there's a show i'm using this as an example now keep in mind there's no judgment best friends of mine watch this i'm using this as an example i could pull out drake in the music department if i want to but i'm going to go with this for now because this is a very very public public thing if i were to go to john and be or john was to come to me and be like listen there's a show on hbo so good so good It's got dragons. It's got all of this in it. So good. Cool. I love that stuff. I love medieval. I love all of that. Cool. And he's like, there's just a couple scenes you got to skip over. Oh, what? Is it language or or what? No. Uh, Is it murder? Because murder you can fake, you know, in movies. You can talk that away. You can be like, it's fake. "Uh, No, it's not that. What is it? It's nudity. Like, just, like, accidentally showed a bare butt kind of thing. He's, he's like, no, 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 like, full intercourse. You can't fake nudity, but okay, okay. I mean, nudity is nudity. You see it for what it is. Okay. I don't know if I should see that. Like, I know, like, the whole time I'm talking to my friend about whether, convince me, John, that it's okay. The whole time I have never once asked God what he thought Because you know why? Because if we ask God, hey, God, should we watch a show that's pornographic? I'm pretty sure he would say no. But we don't want the no because we want to go to the compromise that tells us why we can excuse it away and it might be okay. So we just go back and forth. And we go back and forth. And then I finally go, eh, okay. And then I settle when I turn that on my television. Here's the thing about that. Like I said, there's no judgment. I'm not saying anything about it. And yes, you you can say, but you haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I saw someone's daughter on that TV being exposed. And people watching for entertainment. Yeah, I saw it. And I know that there's a church out here that needs to step up and ask God, should I compromise in this with a show, with a movie, with music, with what I say? And yes, I can't draw a line for it, guys. We could go argue all day, but what about this, but what about that? But let me ask you, did you ask God, should you take the deal? Should you take the deal? And that's that's what it's about. Did you settle? Let me bring a couple other things into play for this. The word compromise, when it says an agreement with a dispute, you have to come into concession with one other person. That's the word compromise. And it says the last one is what gets me. To accept, so to accept standards that are lower than what is desired. Can you put that back up, Zach? The third definition of compromise is to accept, accept standards that are lower than what is desired. Desired by who? By God. But that's not what we do. We desire, we go to the world and we ask them. Or we go to other Christians who have settled. And we're like, wow, well, if they do this, if they do this, and I, I look up to them. So it, it's got to be okay. Okay, it, play it out for me, John. Play it out for me. Tell me how it's okay. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Okay, now I can settle. But we never once asked God. We never once asked him because we know the answer and we don't want it. So desired by God. So Moses knew, if we go back to the game show, Moses knew when they, because remember I told you they make you pick a number? He said, give me number 10. And They gave him case number 10. He never once doubted that there was a million dollars in that case. Because God had laid everything out. And if we do everything the way God says, and we don't settle, and we don't compromise, guess what? We don't have to worry about if that million dollars is in the case. Now, I'll for real take a million dollars in a case, but I'm also applying that to other things in your life. So let me ask you a question Do you have everything that you need? Or do you have everything that you could have because the Lord said so? So listen to this. Moses could have had all he needed, but it wouldn't have had all he could have had or could have. He had all he needed with the men, women, and children. That's all he needed. But it wasn't all he could have. So he did not take the deal. What's your Pharaoh? What's standing before you in the face right now that you have to come against? every day. It could be small. It could be big. It could be something that's going on in your life at your job. It could be this TV stuff. It could be the stuff, the people you're around, the relationships you're around. Is that your pharaoh? That when he's, when your situation says, just take the men, women, and children, and you're like, okay, let me give you some practical. You guys want some practical? Are you with me or you hate me? Okay, cool. All right, settling in a relationship. I'm going to give the practical one, and I'm going to give one that is like a duh factor, but this is a big factor to people. Alicia knows. I'm going to use her as an example. Alicia is amazing. You all know Alicia? Yeah, okay, you love Alicia. If you don't, turn around and look at the back. She's standing in the soundboard. Hey, Alicia. She's an amazing worship leader. She's one of our kids, one of my co-leaders. She's, I, list goes on, friend, all of it. She's beautiful, and she is going to be in her she's heading towards 30 and she's still single now let me touch on this for a second when I talk about what God has laid before you and you have laid before God on your fleece with your desires for a spouse one day I'm not talking about I want him to to be tall with brown hair and blue eyes. And then I want his his feet to be skinny but not too fat. And if he's a size 9, that would be really good. But, man, I love size 10 shoes and all of it. Like, those to me, y'all, I'm sorry. If you're single and you're making that list, you're going to be single a long time. You wonder why you don't have someone yet. That might be. You might want to reevaluate. But there is a list. There is a list where you don't judge by what the world sees, but it says what the Bible says. Now, your list of what the Bible says you should have in a mate, that's what's important. That is what's important. It is great to have all of these other things. Alicia has told me her dreams, and I want her to have, because I believe God wants that for her, to have all those things on the list. But there's things on that list she will not settle for because she won't come into compromise with agreement and say, he goes to church on sundays he 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 plays on the team he knows how to pray i've been in those prayer meetings with him but he's just not sold out cuz i've seen what he's like when he hangs out with his friends but he goes to church and he i know he loves god i'm pretty sure like a little bit i think this is a conversation we've had alicia um and he said and you say no 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 i'm not coming into agreement with that Because I'm not going to settle for that. So that's relationships. I want to talk about another kind of relationship. And I do have a disclaimer. I do have permission. I'm going to bring Chris and Tiffany into this one again. Y'all know Chris and Tiffany? If you don't, that's them in the corner. Hey, they just got engaged last Sunday. (sighs) Okay. Now, if you don't know, they have been living together for a minute. They have two kids from other people. And they are a family. What happened was they came into agreement, which caused compromise at some point when they said, hey, we should just move in together. And that allowed them to settle for less than what the Lord had for them. See, a lot of settling isn't, this is the problem with with us as the church. Settling isn't, is it right or wrong? Settling, is it God? And are you worth more? So for them, it was, we're just going to, talk about this amongst ourselves, that definitely didn't talk about God about it. And so this is where we're at. Through time, through counsel, through a heart that said, I wanna do things right for the Lord, as you guys heard Chris say last week, he stepped up and said, I wanna get my house in order. Now a lot of y'all would be like, this was me a few years back. Well, y'all better move out of each other's house because you can't be living together and get right with God. What a lie. Now, definitely, it would be better if they could. But what about the stuff we don't think of? How about they've built a life together? So their bills, the things they do, how their kids get to school, guess what? It's together. So how about the bigger picture of the things that Chris individually was dealing with and that Tiffany was individually dealing with is way more important to make them whole and make them right with the Lord than it is to say they shouldn't live together? How about getting them where they're supposed to be Take that broken Chris and that broken Tiffany and make them whole again. Then we can talk about the other issues. Because if you don't get a whole person, they're going to look at you and be like, oh, okay, so the right thing to do is not live together. No, no, no. They should come up with that on their own decision because the Lord has healed them and now they have a revelation of the Lord. We shove things down, myself included, shove things down people's throats sometimes because it's right and wrong. Instead of getting them to see that they can be holy, they can be set apart, and that they're worth so much more than how they're living. Chris and Tiffany, getting things straight. Chris said it Sunday morning. He said, I want to get my life straight. I want to get things straight in my house. How do you do that? First, I need to propose to this woman because I'm going to marry her. But Then we're like, well, yeah, but they still live together. So there's that secret sin. You know what I'm talking about, like sex. How about this? How about why don't you ask them instead of thinking things behind their back? Because they have made a vow not to sleep together until they're married. (laughs) That is where they have decided not to settle Because God wants more for them. It's not that it's right or it's wrong. If you're living together, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, is it God? And are you doing what you're worth? Is the Lord able to see what you're doing in your life and say, you're worth so much more than this? Or is he going, well, you're wrong by doing this. I'm pretty sure he's saying, you're worth more. My death on the cross was more than this. You're better than this. And that is... And that's compromise versus settling. And just for the record, you can screw up in that path of getting straight and not settling. You can mess up and get right back on track to that promised land. Let's talk about something else very practical that's happening all over the place. And we I we deal with it here. Maybe some of you guys don't know homosexuality in the church. Super sensitive. The compromise is not whether we welcome them into our church and love them. The compromise turns into settling when we allow them to stay there. Not in a building, but in that place they're in. That's where we settle. There is nothing wrong with people who are struggling with that. There's nothing different from them struggling with homosexuality than you with your alcoholism. No different. No different. So when you come in here with an addiction... When you're addicted to alcohol or whether you're addicted to drugs, whether you're addicted to sex or whether you're addicted to sex with the same sex, it's all the same. So, but this one has become such a big thing. It is not whether we can have them in our church or not. It's whether we are loving them enough and showing them that they are better than that. They deserve more than that. It's not the right and wrong. We're coming at this with a... This is right and this is wrong. And they're looking at us confused because they don't even have a revelation of who Jesus is. So, how can you tell somebody it's right and wrong when they don't even know what the Bible says? You can't. You have to tell them they're worth more, they deserve more than that. And then they'll say why, and then you say, yeah, let me tell you why. And you can bring out the Bible. Another one. I'm almost done. Maybe. It could be BG. Five more minutes. <laughs> I know you're watching, he's watching. PG's watching. Five more minutes, PG. The other one I want to talk about, (laughs) gossip. (laughs) It's probably my favorite one that I'm bringing because this is probably one of the biggest in our all of our lives. Now I'm not talking about godly counsel. Let me get that straight. I'm not talking about when you come to one of your leaders or your counselor or your psychiatrist or your person and you have to tell them where you've been to get to where you need to go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone that the Lord has not appointed in your life as a mentor. And even with that, we have to be so careful with names. This is what gossip looks like. And I'm going to explain the compromise and the settling. So um, hold on a second okay Combo- this this is what this is what gossip looks like low key gossip low key gossip hey christina so um the other day when uh we were we were on the worship team, hmm you know how um you know how Jalen was up there playing guitar, yeah, yeah, well, I know she was looking at me like with a dirty look over there and um Okay, now, keep in mind, I'm a leader, so sometimes I have to deal with different things, but let's just say that leadership was not in this role, okay? I said, oh, oh, okay, um, why do you think that? I just, I just, I could tell she was giving me that look, that Jalen look, y'all know that look? <laughs> <laughs> I'm using literally the person who doesn't have a look. <laughs> if you don't know Jalen, everyone's laughing because she doesn't have that look. <laughs> you see her and you just want to hug her. Um, she looked at me, oh, well, why do you think she did that? Well, because she knows I'm trying to learn guitar, and she thinks she's better than me. Okay, okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll. Um. wow, what do you want to do? Maybe you should talk to her. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to talk to her, because she's going to deny it. If I talk to her, she's going to deny it anyway. Oh, well, then just let it go and pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. Again, where's God in all this? Because if you were to be like, God, I think there's an issue with Jalyn. What would he say? He'd say, go to her and figure it out. But we don't want that answer. So we come over here and we talk to someone else that we can come into compromise with so we can settle to believe that gossip. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. So um, Christina Salido is sitting over here. She's one of our uh, musicians, drummers, and singers, an amazing person. She's the one that was telling me this. So I'm going to be like okay, what? Oh, yeah, this is not a real situation. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not that savage, guys. I'm not that savage. Woo. So, let's say Christina is the one. Woo. So, now, the next time, now, I walk away, and I'm like, Jalen would never do that. Trust me, you're crazy. Don't think like that. And I walk away, I gave her good words, right? I told her, no way. You should talk to her if there's a problem. Lynn would never do that. What I said was good, right? Right? You're scared. Yes, that was good. The problem is this. Next time I see Jalen, I'm like, I wonder if she did that. Why would she do that? A piece of her heart that was in me, a piece of my thoughts towards her, was stripped away when I listened to what Christina said. Now, the problem, <laughs> she's not, you, you can trust Christina, guys, just saying. The problem comes when the mouth is open and they say, hey, so, Jalen, when she would have said Jalen to me, the problem comes when they mention the person's name, you better shut it down. You should say, hey, 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 wait, 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 you either, you need to go to that person or go talk to leadership, I I would say skip that. That's not even the Bible. Just go talk to the, first you're supposed to talk to the person, then go to the leader. We have it all backwards. We use that as an excuse because we're chickens. But we need to go talk to the person. Anyway, so if you go, you go to the, you go, Christina comes to me and she's like, yeah, so Jalen, and I would be like, wait a minute. If you have an issue with her, you need to go talk to her. See, the compromise came in my first conversation with her when I listened to her. The listening is the compromise. The settling is later on in my heart, even though I thought it would not be an issue, when I see Jay Lynn and I'm like, does she do that? I have settled to believe a lie that I don't even know is true about someone that I haven't even talked to about a situation. That, my friends, is gossip. Sometimes we think, and you know what? what's crazy? Gossip can be good, too. I've realized I have a friend of mine who's going through a really, really horrible situation, a really bad divorce. And she's very close to a lot of people, even here. And people will come up to me and say, How's she doing? Now that's not bad. I'll say she's doing all right. She's doing, she's doing good. She's pray keep praying for her in this area. And then they'll say, So what's going on with, with her ex? Like, where's he at? What's he doing? I could easily tell them I know the answer. Guys, that's gossip. That's not my place to tell. Call her up and ask her, and if she wants to tell you, she'll tell you. That's not my place. We have settled for a lie that's okay, even if it's good, to talk about each other. And that is where, if we as a church can get that, we say, no deal. When you come to me about someone, you're going to go to them before we even talk about it. <clears throat> um, okay, where am I at? All right, almost done, for real. The last, the last thing I'm gonna just mention, um, I'm gonna show, mm, no I'm not. I was gonna show you guys a clip. I'll just, should I? Yeah, okay, well okay, we're gonna show it. You guys good for a couple minutes? We started a little late. Can you show? You guys familiar with um, DC and Marvel? Marvel's way better, you know what I'm talking about. DC's really dark, Marvel's light, you know. Trying to cause a fight. I'm just speeching. This this is facts. I can't help it. No, I'm just kidding. If you all did not see Endgame, go see Endgame. I cried like a baby. Um. Oh, you want me to spoil it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Woo! I'll tell you what happens. Batman dies. Just if you if you don't know DC, then Batman's not even Marvel. So anyway. You guys will go to, N. D. C. DC Universe, I do love Batman, but only Christian Bale as Batman. And this is a scene from him and Joker, Heath Ledger, who was by far the best Joker to ever walk this planet. I want you to watch this scene, setting it up for you. Joker was trying to blow up a boat, and the people had to decide which person they were going to kill. And the people, America, decided not to kill and just let everyone be killed or no one be killed. And so this is what happens when Batman and Joker go down about that fight. I feel like that's Pharaoh. Joker's Pharaoh. So this is what gets me with this. And even when we listen to it, John, when I was telling him about my message, he's the one that thought of this clip. And as soon as we heard it, we're so we God isn't everything for us. So like we watch this and we're like both sitting there weeping at the scene. Because you could put that slide up, Zach. It says, Are you going up against your situation knowing it's an immovable object to, to or do you continue to be an unstoppable force? So Joker was the Immovable object. Like he was not willing to budge. He was going to kill everybody in that city, no matter what he did. But then you come up against Batman, who is unstoppable. Pharaoh was immovable. His heart was hardened. He said, No, 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 no. Even said, He's immovable. God said it in the scripture, He's not going to move. His heart's going to be hard. But then Pharaoh was, who was he? He was the unstoppable force. And he did not stop. He did not stop. He did not stop. I'm sorry, who did I say, Batman? Who did I say? Just kidding. Moses. Moses was the unstoppable force. Thank you. He kept going and going and going, and no matter what. And then finally, what did he do? He broke him because of that. So when you face your situation, are you being unstoppable? And no matter what compromise comes over here and tells you, this is okay, that's okay, it's fine. This is how the Christian church looks now. I have heard that. It's what the Christian church looks like now. If you do this, you're being too religious. You, you, you can't be too religious on this stuff. I went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I'm a history fanatic. I may not get my history always right, but I love history. And I got to go see the land where the Amish live, the largest city in the United States where the Amish are. Y'all know who Amish people are? Okay. Okay. They believe a lot of the Bible, but then some of their stuff's a little weird. But they live on the land, and they live so simple. They build these ginormous, gorgeous, stunning houses that look better than how any house probably here in popka. And you look at it, and it's like a $2 million home, but it really wasn't because they have no electricity and no, um, no water running to it. So it was actually pretty cheap to build. And the Amish build it, and they, they do the land. They, they farm the land. They have horses and buggies. And here we are in a city like Apopka, Picture the city, and then all of a sudden here comes a little horse and a buggy down with the people with the dresses and the overalls and the farm hats, and they're going rolling up in Target, and they go right into Target, but they park their buggies on the side. There's a special place for their buggies to park, and then all the cars are over here, and they go in, and they get what they need, the groceries and the produce they need if they need anything extra than what they have, and they leave, and they go. I was amazed at the how they live, and again, I'm not condoning all the Amish but I asked the guy, I got to go in a buggy, and it took me all around, and I was crying, and John was laughing at me, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, so I, I asked the driver. He was an Amish, little cute little Amish guy, a little, like, 70, 80-year-old, and he had the little hat, and he'd been doing Amish life. And I said, why do, you, why do you guys do this? Why do you do what you do? He said, because we believe in the word when it says to be of me and not of the world, to be of God and not of the world. We're like, us Americans, we're like, that's so, so outdated and that's so far-fetched. It doesn't mean what it looks like. But does it, maybe we're off and they're right. Maybe we look so much like the world that when we're in a room, they can't tell us apart from who's God and who's not. Now, when an Amish person walks in a room, you know that there's something set apart about them. You know Now, it may have something to do with the way they're dressed, but God has told us it's not just about the way we dress. It's our speech. It's what we listen to. It's what we watch. It's how we act, how we treat our children, how we treat our spouse, how we teach, how we do everything we do. That's going to show if we're in the world and not of the world. And I just have to wonder sometimes, are they closer to the truth than we are in how they live their life? Would, if Moses would have disobeyed God in the slightest In that process, in the beginning part, not later. Later he did disobey God and guess what? He got punished. In the beginning, had he spoke one word out of turn or if he would have just come at Pharaoh and like bopped him upside with Aaron's stick and been like, you idiot, just let the people go, would he have had all the promises? And now you fast forward, I'm not going to get into this, but you fast forward, Moses, God told Moses to do something with the water to, to get water out of the rock and he ended up hitting the rock and that's not what God said. So God still gave the people the water, even in Moses' disobedience. But then he told Moses he's not going to the promised land. So you're like, so I do all of these things right for God, and I do one thing wrong. See, we make it about us, guys, and it's not. It's about giving God the glory. And is God seen in what you're doing? Because later in Hebrews 11, Moses has an entire half of a chapter to himself. It talks about God as the one that buried Moses and that Moses in faith did this and Moses in faith did that. And then it says, but Moses, having all of these things, did not receive this promise on earth. But who did? Generations after him. See, we live in a life where we expect God to give us those promises now in our hundred years of our life. But did he give you a promise and say a timeline or did we make a timeline? Because if we if we make a timeline and then we don't see the promise when we thought it was supposed to come, then guess what we have? Disappointment in God. And he let us down. And that's where you have people today saying, well, I can't trust God. He told me. I know what he told me. He probably did tell you. But did you make the timeline or did he? And that's a key thing as we move forward. Are you going to take the deal and say, all right. Now, I'm not saying don't ask God for a timeline. I'm not saying in 10 years, I want to be in this place in my life. Ask him. And if he says to you, you will have that place in your life, but did he say in 10 years? So what happens is 10 years come and go, and it's not his timing. It's ours, and we're like, well, I'm just going to take what I have in front of me because it's really good right now, and I'm just going to go with it because I'm at my 10-year mark, and I'll make the best out of it. I've heard that so many times. I'm making the best out of it. I'm living my best life, but is it God's life for you? I want to encourage you, church, my whole point, wrapping it back up, is are you settling for the men, the women, and the children with Pharaoh? Are you taking the deal that the dealer has, or are you taking the last case when you know that that promise is in that case? I want you guys to ask, as I wrap this up, I'm going to show you one more clip of something that the band wants to come on up. We're not going to have a huge altar call, but what we're going to have is I want you to examine yourself. Where's your pharaohs? What have you been settling in, or what could you settle in that you have to say, no, I'm not settling for anything less than God? I want you guys to remember this story every time you come against a situation. Pharaoh did not settle. Go ahead. Here's what we're going to do. You guys could close your eyes, bow your head, just to get away from distractions. And I want you to just seek your heart and just say, God, what's my pharaoh? What's the place in my life where I am willing to compromise and come into agreement with something that will cause me in the end to settle? Maybe there's some things you guys have to reevaluate. Maybe there are things that you really thought were okay. You really thought wasn't that big of a deal. And now you're like, man, Maybe I'm settling for something less than what God has for me. Guys, remember this. You're not coming into compromise with people in your life. You're coming into compromise with God. And if you come into compromise with God and you're saying that he told you it was okay, then he's not God because he doesn't compromise. The Bible is the Bible, and it's very clear. Certain things are very clear. Now, I'm not talking about getting wisdom. I'm talking about coming into agreement with things that the Lord, if he was standing in front of your face right now, would say, with tears in his eyes, you're worth so much more than that. I just want you to take, uh, uh, like I said, all eyes closed, and just take whatever that is that Pharaoh is. I just kind of want you to put your hands out to God like if he was just going to take it and pick it up and say I'm taking that Pharaoh out of your life and I'm giving you new words in a new way if you know you're in a place with your job this is not where God wants you but this is where I'm stuck at don't settle for that I feel strongly there's specifically someone in here right now that is in a situation like that where they're out of place in a job. Where they have tried every other route and it's all failed. And so you're like, mm, I'm just going to be stuck here the rest of my life, I guess. Do not settle. The promised land is coming. It will come if you just listen to him and hold on. So Jesus, I ask right now that you would come in this room in each heart, in each life, and create an unstoppable force in each of us, that when we come against that mountain, that immovable object, that because of our unstoppable force and the army that you've placed with us, that nothing, nothing will move us, nothing will stop us. And I ask for the pharaohs in our lives to let go. To let go of the lie, to let go of letting us settle. And that we would become something set apart and different. That we would no longer compromise with friends and family and the world. We would no longer settle and we would not take the deal, even when it sounds good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks. I love you guys so much. Hoping to have PG here back next week. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.